Seventh Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit SeventhWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The teachings of the Ascended Masters are universal and available to all. The Ascended Masters themselves are the saints and sages of East and West, and their teachings incorporate the original core beliefs of all the world's major religions. No matter which religious path you follow, you will find these teachings equally compelling. This is The Open Door. Come along with us as we explore the teachings of the Ascended Masters. Here are the hosts for The Open Door, Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. Well, and here we are again, everybody. <laughs> Greetings and welcome to The Open Door, the online voice of the Summit Lighthouse, where we publish and practice the teachings of the Ascended Masters and where we invite you to awaken to the light within. I'm Tom Schumacher. And I'm Terry Kennedy. And I'm Narrowly Duffy, and I must say we are certainly not shy about the tough and the touchy subjects, are we? <laughs> we are <No>. intrepid. <laughs> you know, though I Is imagine, that the word? <laughs> well, I think it's one of them anyway. <laughs> there might be a few other descriptive adjectives some would use. Well, you know, whatever the case may be, our focus today is on dealing with death. And we got a couple of lecture excerpts coming up shortly that you won't want to miss. And I think, you know, Tom and Terry, this is a subject that it's safe to say we're all going to deal with at one time or another in our lives. And unfortunately, likely more than once. Well, it's an obvious thing to say. It, it is inevitable. And when you say that we're likely to experience this more than once, I know that you mean in this lifetime, but we know, given the reality of reincarnation, we have experienced the passing of a loved one countless times. Wow. <laughs> Yet, you know, despite our familiarity with the process, each time it happens, the pain is still fresh, mm-hmm. raw, and deeply personal. And it, it can hold us in its grip for an extended period. Yeah. yeah. And this is often true, even, even if we know it's coming and we've had time to prepare for it. Yeah. Um, you know, a sudden death catches us all off guard, but many of us have known loved ones who've clung to life for a long time, dealing with the effects of long-term illness, and we're seeing that more and more. Oh, I know, and and though we may see it coming, the final stage is still, well, final. (laughs) And it isn't until we are confronted with the finality of death that we feel the full impact of it. And this is not to say that we wish to hold anyone back from making their exit when they're ready, (laughs) when their time has come. You know, of course, it's natural to want to keep our loved ones with us to prolong their stay with us and postpone the moment of that last goodbye. Yet for their soul's journey, we must be willing to support their process and their soul's unique timetable. In other words, honoring God's will and not our own human preferences. Well, exactly. You know, and this subject of God's will brings up a very important point concerning the Ascended Master's teachings, which I'm sure our listeners would like to understand with greater clarity. You know, the Ascended Masters teach us that our souls have reincarnated many times, And each lifetime offers our souls the opportunity to finally shrug off the human creation and merge with our divine selves. And along the way, Terry, as we've so often said on this program, we've all got our karma to deal with, which may take the form of extended illness, even to the manner and the circumstances of our deaths. Mm -hmm. And 
Perhaps that's why with the reincarnation thing, we're, we're remembering at a soul level some of those difficult passings. Oh, I'm sure. So needless to say, the <laughs> process and the details of our passing can have a, a profound impact on our souls. So we want to take full advantage of each of these opportunities. Well, you know, what's particularly interesting to us is how some people believe that it is not part of the Ascended Master's path to mourn the passing of a loved one, or that mourning somehow indicates a lower level of spiritual attainment. This is simply not true. Yeah, there is no one, not even Jesus, who does not experience grief at the death of a loved one. You know, and and grief is is normal and natural. Mourning is an important process to the psyche or the soul. Mm -hmm. The soul simply cannot slice off the experience of death and just pretend it hasn't happened. (laughs) Indeed. As Elizabeth Clare Prophet once said, one has to be willing to taste the experience no matter how painful so that the pain, having been experienced, can move on to the ever-transcending spiral, pass through the fires of the heart, Mm -hmm. and experience a new day and a new birth and a new resurrection. Well, yeah, and, and as you said a moment ago, Terry, not even Jesus was immune from grief. In fact, the shortest verse in the New Testament consists of two words, Jesus wept. He wept at the death of Lazarus. He wept over the city of Jerusalem, seeing how death would come to the people. Jesus understood all too well the depths of pain and loss, and he felt them as we do. And we're also taught that the flip side of pain is bliss, Hmm. because God wants so much for us to expand love in our hearts. He allows us to suffer, to know pain, and to reap the karma. Mm -hmm. And I think for most of us, one of the ways, uh, I know it's true for me, we tend to learn our lessons is actually through pain. (laughs) Pain is the price of wisdom. Not always, I hope, but certainly (laughs) often enough, it's true that we learn by experiencing pain and sorrow. We grieve, we suffer loss, we suffer burdens in our bodies, and through it, suddenly suddenly we know how everyone else in the world has suffered and what other people have gone through and are going through. Yeah. Yeah, which is why we say that the flip side of pain is bliss. And when you know intense pain, you will eventually come to the place of transcending that pain. You know, and if your heart is right, then you will have gratitude to God for the experience of suffering in pain. Because through it, you come to the point of exaltation of God in yourself, and you know His bliss in you. Now, <laughs> right there, we can understand how the Ascended Master's teachings can be misconstrued. You, you know. know. <laughs> well, if, if you don't somehow find a way to turn your plan into bliss, uh, if you're not just blissful going through this death experience, then you must be dump- doing something wrong. <laughs> yeah. well, well, no, that's <laughs> not true. Knowing what we must do doesn't necessarily make it easy. And you can't always tell on the outside, looking at someone, what they're going through on the inside. No, you yeah. can't. Yeah, that's right. And whether we know it or not, we are all in the process of integration with God. And what's more, when we get in touch with our true subconscious feelings, we touch the ancient grief of the original separation from God. Oh, and that's, that's really key. You know, we must let this ancient grief be known. Let us see it for what it is. Pour the violet flame into it and enter into a higher dimension of awareness whereby we choose to become the Christ and our sorrow is turned to joy by our free will choice. Yeah, and we don't want to suppress our experience of pain and suffering and walk away from it without acknowledgement. If we do that, we will miss the whole point of it. (laughs) You know, and when we understand that there's something to our thoughts and feelings, we acknowledge that we are people, we (laughs) are what we are, this is our condition— it's the human condition, and, and the masters understand that. Oh, yeah, yeah. well, and this is what we must become present to, not permanently, but in order to work through it and move on higher. You see, the reality is this. It's natural to be sorrowful when you lose a loved, when you lose a loved one. And if you don't allow yourself to experience the loss and the sense of loss, 
you can't transmit it into joy. A fully integrated, God-free being can experience great sorrow, great joy, great pain, and great loss. And the pathway through the human veil of tears should never be preempted by another. Well, what an important point this is too, Terry. And as we talk about allowing ourselves to truly experience pain and loss, we also have to be very careful not to take these very important steps away from someone else that's going through that process, and we want to hurry them through it. Yeah. And, and, it's, yeah. and we feel that it's compassionate, it's a loving thing to do, you know. But right. the temptation is to try and relieve our loved ones from certain pains, whether self-inflicted or otherwise, in the spirit of compassion and helpfulness. But they must go through their own experience of pain and loss for their soul's growth. If, with the best of intentions, we remove an important step from their path, they will have to find another opportunity to complete that step on their own. You will only have succeeded in slowing them down, perhaps stopping them altogether, and you don't want that. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, you can offer them comfort and compassion, but don't try to take another's journey for them. Uh-huh. The consequences for them and for you could be pretty far-reaching. Uh-huh. We have to allow people to work through their difficulties, manifest their own Christhood, and that's often on their own timetable. Yeah. yeah, and we all must learn to sense and feel. And we all must understand, to the best of our abilities, the depths of grief. When we do that, we can go, uh, we can go to others in need, lift them up, mm-hmm. teach them the steps, such as using the violet flame, but we can't take the steps for them because they won't know what priceless opportunity they may have missed. Ooh. And another important point we must make, resist with all your might the temptation to blame God for your suffering and loss. What we experience in our lives is most often the outward manifestation of karmic debts we accrued through our many lifetimes. These experiences are our accountability. God, in his infinite mercy, gives us opportunities to balance our karma, but he didn't make our karma. No, no. (laughs) And how many times have we seen or heard people wailing and lamenting, God, how could you do this? How could you let this happen? Why did you take my loved one away from me? Well, blaming God not only gets you nowhere, but you missed the real point of the experience. And that's a loss you will have to make up for another time, if you are so fortunate. So, mourning and grieving are perfectly natural, mm-hmm. and in fact, very important for our soul's progress. Remember, even Jesus wept. <laughs> and, it, and it helps us to understand, too, now why, why Buddha said all life is suffering. Suffering is an essential and irreplaceable facet of our earthly experience, and it's one of our greatest teachers. Boy, and that's a very important point for us to remember, and I think a that particular point now, we'll take a short break because we've got some excerpts coming up soon from Elizabeth Clare Prophet that you're not going to want to miss. And um, they're on this very, the heart of the subject. So we'll return after a short break. Please stay with us. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Seek greater awareness. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. 
By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And welcome back, everyone. Thanks for staying with us. Now, in the following lecture excerpt, Elizabeth Clare Prophet examines the reality of grieving from the perspective of the poet Longfellow, one of the famous incarnations of her twin flame, Mark Prophet, who we know as the ascended master, Lanello. To me, Longfellow's poems, for the most part, are dictations from the ascended masters, from the guru El Moria, Longfellow deals with death, the departed, angels, the beyond, frequently in his work. It's an interesting thing how he passes through the experience of being a widower twice. And also it is an obvious Pisces initiation of his soul. In the feminine principle, learning to love and to love with the fullness of one's being and then being required to surrender and sacrifice and be content and resolve oneself that there is a higher power and a higher will that sometimes takes from us loved ones. It's an interesting thing to realize, of course, he continued comforted in his son and his three daughters also lost a daughter, that makes three initiations of death with the feminine being. The passing of a loved one, the most dearly beloved of one's life, cannot be understood unless it is experienced. We can look upon another and say, what a pity it is, someone lost a child, a wife, a husband, but when one experiences it, one contacts the depth of sorrow in every person who lives on earth and everyone else who has ever lived. You experience a portion of the souls of all people that you do not experience in any other way. It's like giving birth to a child. If you haven't had the experience of giving birth to a child, there is something common to the whole human race that you do not really know. And when you have that experience, you dip into the very heart of Almighty God, the Cosmic Virgin, and you know what every mother or father has ever felt. So the richness of human experience brings us to this moment 
as we pursue the path of the Buddha, the Christ, and the Blessed Mother, that we can be bodhisattvas. We can care for humanity because we have participated in the heights of its joys, the depths of its sorrows, and therefore we can have compassion. We can give comfort. Western civilization has as its goal happiness. Eastern civilization has as its goal experience to the ripening of the soul. In the East, misfortune is not considered evil. As we consider misfortune evil and happiness good, as these are marks somehow of basic values. But actually, failure, mistakes, sorrow, distress, and all sorts of setbacks are the things that build character and make us to have compassion for others when they experience the same. The mournful numbers that Longfellow was speaking of, tell me not in mournful numbers, the people who mourn at funerals, the lines and lines of people who come through and tell you how sorry they are that someone has passed on. The consciousness of mourning because of an absence of awareness that life is real. So he says, don't tell me that life is an empty dream or that the soul that slumbers is dead. Things are not what they seem. In this concept of things not being what they seem, you realize that he contains the entire perspective of the unreality of maya and illusion. Death is an illusion. He lived through that illusion intimately three times, came to grips with it until he was the conqueror of death and hell in his own soul. He affirms that life is real. Obvious statement, isn't it? You find the obviousness of a soul that is one with God. Life is real. Life is earnest. And the grave is not its goal. These are fiats. This is a decree. Dust thou art to dust returnest was not spoken of the soul. Fiats. Look at our decrees in verse. They come from the momentum of Longfellow. Neither enjoyment nor sorrow is our destined end or way, but to act that each tomorrow finds us farther than today is the goal when you get up in the morning to have a good time and you feel that the day is useless if you have a sorrow. Neither one is the goal, neither human goodness nor human badness. Buddha taught the same, not the surface of life. What is the goal? Act. The action is the goal. Are you impressed when people are erudite and they can tell you the history of the world or all of the teachings of Buddha or all of the literature or can recite the Upanishads? Look well and look again. What is the action? People are not what they're talking about. People are what they do. What is someone doing? Our whole point of being here is to act. To act that each tomorrow finds us farther than today, closer to the goal 
of realizing here on earth the fullness of our mighty I Am Presence. Art is long and time is fleeting, and our hearts, though stout and brave, still like muffled drums are beating funeral marches to the grave. Here we are, we know the truth, and yet we're allowing this whole death civilization to carry us on its death march to the grave. The whole order of life, the way people live it today, is marching toward the grave. In the world's broad field of battle, in the bivouac of life, be not like dung-driven cattle, be a hero in the strife. Those dumb-driven cattle are mechanization man. He challenges us not to get on this assembly line of those who are born and begin to die the moment they are born. Trust no future, however pleasant. Don't trust the future. Let the dead past bury its dead. You don't know what's ahead of you. You can't live in the past. Act, act in the living present, heart within, and mighty I am presence overhead. Lives of great men all remind us we can make our lives sublime and departing for other spheres, other glories, leave behind us footprints on the sands of time. Responsibility for action, you have a mission to leave footprints. He had the consciousness of the guru. He was thinking about the chilas that would follow. You ought to be thinking about who's going to follow, whether a smeared, shapeless print in the earth because you hemmed and hawed and stood around and didn't leave a clear track or a real definite footprint that someone can follow. You look at all of these lifetimes, they are very definite. They are fire, the etching of crystal with fire, perfect footprints. Footprints that perhaps another sailing o'er life's solemn main a forlorn and shipwrecked brother, seeing, shall take heart again. Feel the heart of this poet. His whole reason for being is to act, to be farther tomorrow than today, in the goal of self-realization, and to be sure that someone else not so greatly endowed as we are with the Spirit can follow those footprints. Let us then be up and doing with a heart for any fate. There are many people today with shrill voices, harsh. They have dealt with the harshness of life and given harshness in return. You can hear it in their voices. Their voices are not the voice of the inner Christ. They have not internalized and gone to the fount of the living flame for transmutation. They have not accelerated and gone up the next spiral to a new dimension of being. This is what you see happening in Longfellow. Longfellow integrates with life. If it's pain, if it's sorrow, if it's joy, he's the supreme integrator. He takes it in stride, he internalizes the good, and he casts the rest into the fire. The fire of his poetry, the fire of his love for people, love for life, the fire of his self-givingness. 
You have to have a heart for your fate. You can't just do it with your head. If you don't have a heart for it, you'll never be eminent in any field. You have to put your heart into what you do, and if you don't, it doesn't count for your self-mastery, it doesn't count for your ascension, it does not count for grace. When you don't put heart into life, you are a robot. You ought to be still and do nothing instead of fooling yourself into thinking you're doing something for anybody when you behave like a robot. Still achieving, still pursuing, learn to labor and to wait. That wonderful space of waiting, it's like the Lord's day of rest. Sometimes we wait for years for that thing to come to pass for which we labor. It's the space you give to God in which he can bring forth love's promise fulfilled. God can bring you the perfect love if you will labor and then wait. If you have anxiety, if you want to clutter up time and space and the hours and the silence with vainglory and nonsense conversation, a lot of chitter-chatter, a lot of useless activities, you're not laboring and waiting. You're not giving God that wonderful room to come in and manifest himself in your life. Learn to labor and to wait. He understood the law of cycles, this marvelous sine wave, the labor and the wait, the labor and the wait. Nature teaches us. Nature teaches us. Well, up next, we'll hear more from this remarkable lecture by Elizabeth Clare Prophet on dealing with death. Please stay with us. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Right now, all over the world, warriors of light are working tirelessly to defend your soul's opportunity to achieve oneness with God. These spiritual warriors are keepers of the flame, and though few, the power they wield is greater than all of the weapons made by man. Founded by St. Germain in 1961, Keepers of the Flame is a non-denominational fraternity in the tradition of ancient spiritual orders. When you join, you'll receive a series of lessons that will introduce you to a vast and dynamic spiritual world. See for yourself. Access Lesson 1 right now, completely free, no login required. Simply go to tsl.org slash keepers, and in seconds you could be exploring a whole new world of practical Ascended Master teachings. Lessons are printed or available online for any time, anywhere access, and anyone can join. Discover your real self and explore your full spiritual potential. Become a Keeper of the Flame today and awaken to the light within. Please visit tsl.org slash keepers and prepare to accelerate. This is the 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. You 
You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. Well, this is perhaps a spiritual truism, but when the guru departs, the student is forced to become himself. Now, this is the essence of the life lesson that any loss can teach us if we choose to accept the lesson. Our losses will, in the end, become the means to our greatest gains. Here once again is Elizabeth Clare Prophet on the subject of dealing with death. So, that is Mr. Longfellow. Always beloved. And we always loving his poetry. I shall read to you the poem to which he has opened the book. Hiawatha's Departure From his place rose Hiawatha, bade farewell to old Nokomis, spake in whispers, spake in this wise, did not wake the guests that slumbered. I am going, O Nokomis, on a long and distant journey to the portals of the sunset, to the regions of the home wind, of the northwest wind, Kiwaden. But these guests I leave behind me. In your watch and ward I leave them. See that never harm comes near them. See that never fear molests them, never danger nor suspicion, never want of food or shelter in the lodge of Hiawatha. Forth into the village went he, bade farewell to all the warriors, bade farewell to all the young men, spake persuading, spake in this wise, I am going, O my people, on a long and distant journey. Many moons and many winters will have come and will have vanished ere I come again to see you. But my guests I leave behind me. Listen to their words of wisdom. Listen to the truth they tell you. For the master of life hath sent them from the land of light and morning. On the shore stood Hiawatha, turned and waved his hand at parting. On the clear and luminous water launched his birch canoe for sailing. From the pebbles of the margin shoved it forth into the water, whispered to it westward, westward, and with speed it darted forward. And the evening sun descending set the clouds on fire with redness, burned the broad sky like a prairie, left upon the level water one long track and trail of splendor, down whose stream as down a river westward, westward Hiawatha sailed into the fiery sunset, sailed into the purple vapor, sailed into the dusk of evening. And the people from the margin watched him floating, rising, sinking, till the birch canoe seemed lifted, high into that sea of splendor, till it sank into the vapors like the new moon slowly, slowly sinking in the purple distance. And they said, Farewell forever, said, Farewell, O Hiawatha. And the forests, dark and lonely, moved through all their depths of darkness, sighed farewell, O Hiawatha. And the waves upon the margin, rising, rippling on the pebbles, sobbed, Farewell, O Hiawatha. And the heron, the Shushuga, 
from her haunts among the fenlands, screamed farewell, O Hiawatha. Thus departed Hiawatha, Hiawatha the Beloved, in the glory of the sunset, in the purple mists of evening, to the regions of the home wind, of the northwest wind, Kiwaden, to the islands of the blessed, to the kingdom of Panima, to the land of the hereafter. It was a few days after the ascension of our beloved Mark that he took me to that very passage. And I read as he read in my heart the departure of Hiawatha. It was an illustrated book and I could liken in my heart the parting of Mark to the movement of his soul on the canoe into the sunset and into the purple evening. It was a very moving experience and of course the great wonder of the color of purple and the ascent of the soul into the violet flame. He also gave to me at the same time opened the book of the prophet by Khalil Gibran and the concluding chapter of that book is on the departure of the prophet. I would also like to read that to you because it has an imagery of the traversing of the soul, the getting on the ship, and it is the most picturesque means for us to understand that there is a vast ocean of God and we one day must all take that bark it is the imagery of the Buddha and cross to the other side it is an old old imagery there is comfort in it because we know that when we see the boat departing it must reach another shore and we realize that the sea itself is symbolical of the ocean of God's being. Mourning or the integration of one's soul with a loved one who is no longer visible is a very important process to the psyche. The soul cannot simply slice off the experience of death. One has to move through the experience. One has to be willing to taste of the experience, no matter how painful, so that the pain, having been experienced, can move on the ever self-transcending spiral, pass through the fires of the heart, and experience a new day and a new birth and a new resurrection. There are some people who do not allow themselves to mourn the passage of a loved one because they think it is not part of the path of the Ascended Masters or not part of a certain level of attainment. There is no one, not even Jesus, who does not experience grief at the death of a loved one. The shortest verse in the New Testament consists of two words, Jesus wept. He wept for the death of Lazarus. He also wept over the city of Jerusalem because he saw what the death 
was doing to the people. So this experience, which comes to all of us sooner or later, is one that we must internalize. Ultimately, the correct resolution of the loss of a loved one is that we must assimilate the good of that person, the elements of character and of life. We must become the one whom we have lost. It is the only way to deal with death on earth. We must look at the light and the life and the joy and all we have shared with that person. And we realize that our only gift to give is that we must go on and be that person. If we truly love someone, we want them to live forever and to be a part of all whom we meet. This is a true understanding of the Guru-Chila relationship. The Guru departs so that the Chila will be forced to become himself. When I've asked the Ascended Masters, why have you all ascended? Why are you not here with us? They always say, it is so that you, in longing for us, in loving us, will be forced to become us. The true integration of life. So we must internalize the saint. Even in the reading of these embodiments of Lanello, with each of the passings, we experience a certain moment of the sorrow and of the death. The record in Akasha is there. We see that again the Piscean master in Longfellow deals with death as a journey into the sunset, a saying goodbye. When I was with Mark in his last year of his life, 1972, he went to his hometown, visited everybody he knew, we traveled there by bus. He went to all different places around the country, saw people, seemed to be settling accounts, saying goodbye. We journeyed to Africa that year in the summer and to the Holy Land in the fall. He touched all the places he had touched as Mark in origin and more. We had been in Europe, of course, in 68, India in 1970. These are the last years of his life. We'd been to Hawaii, been all over the United States. And always he was very concerned about contacting individuals, individuals he never met before, but he'd meet them in hotels or lobbies or on the travels, on sightseeing tours, wherever we would go. He was very personally involved with people, always giving something of himself. Knowing the cosmic being he was while he was even in embodiment, I am absolutely certain that with mathematical precision down to the last gas station attendant, truck driver, or waitress that he happened to have an exchange with, he was delivering the last farthing of his payment to life streams, settling accounts, giving joy in full measure, giving over and above that which might have been owed, simply giving of himself. It was a very interesting experience to watch all of this taking place. And so the realization that the transcending of planes is taking a boat and going to the other side, promising that it will be some time before I again come back, and so putting in the mouth of Hiawatha the unspoken and ever so gentle gesture 
alluding to reincarnation. He doesn't come out and fiery preach it and thrust it into the face of New England in the last century as heresy. No. Hiawatha says, it'll be a while before you see me again or before I come back. So it's a very sweet thing when our souls will pause to experience the loss, internalize the loved one, and finally go through the resurrection itself. That is the real secret of joy and of love, and that is the secret of being totally cleansed of the bitterness that remains as a residue on people who do not accept the ordinances of God and the will of God graciously. I want to remind you that the first individual who fell out of rebellion against God before Lucifer by the name of Peshu Alga fell because he was angry at God that God took from him his son. His son died. He held him in his arms at death. He never accepted that death. He cursed God, he shook his fist at God, he was angered at God, and he determined to get even with God. And his getting even with God was a determination to subvert Lucifer. And he was the one who actually subverted that one. And that is how he had his alienation from God, the refusal to accept the justice and the righteousness of the eventualities of life. Since we are on this subject, it would be very well for you to search your soul, to be certain that you have had a resolution with God of the loss of loved ones and of records of previous incarnations. Mark Prophet, in this life, lost his father when he was nine years old. His own son lost him when he was nine years old. So it's very interesting. Carrying over from Longfellow the necessity for the Piscean conqueror to move on and keep on re-experiencing his victory. What did he do? He internalized father. He was a young boy. The depression was coming soon. Mother didn't have support, so he went to work. Worked very hard at a very young age so that there would be food on the table. So he had to become father at a very early age. Well, to us, he's the father of our movement, the father of our church with St. Germain, the father of our teaching, the father of our soul. Father and guru are synonymous terms, you know. He is our father principle. And in a sense, he's a father to the whole world. So God saw to it that he had to become father very early. So in the hour of the ascension of the Beloved, we know that the other woman is the cosmic virgin who bears the soul in the great ritual of the ascension to the eternal freedom, eternal light, eternal immortality. We accept the mysteries of life, therefore we accept them when they are outplayed in our lives. I remember 
as I was with beloved Ruth Jones in the hours before her ascension and she lay upon her bed. Her being, her atoms, her molecules having already returned to the central sun, there was very little left of that frail body. And we never spoke of her terminal illness at all. We only spoke of the hereafter, of life and of joy, and she never stopped speaking of love, God's love. And I told her about the garden that was just beyond and how she would pass from her body into this beautiful garden and there she would be received. She would be received by Archangel Michael at the very transfer of her soul from her body. And he would take her to this garden where she would meet beloved Jesus and Mother Mary and Lanello and her own ascended twin flame, Sidney, her husband, in her final embodiment. And when I told her that I relieved her of her responsibilities to me because she would not leave unless she knew that her work was finished and that Mark needed her more than I needed her now, she settled herself to accept the transition. So when I told her about Archangel Michael greeting her, she came out with her very pet phrase, Glory, hallelujah! And she was so happy in anticipation of being received in the arms of Archangel Michael. So the mysteries of life, for those who understand them, are no longer mysteries. If you internalize all of this, then when you experience these mysteries, when loved ones do, you can be such a source and a fount of joy, compassion, the ecstasy of pity, the divine pity, that can truly enter into the sorrow of another as a friend. Oh. <laughs> you just want to kind of rest with that for a while, don't you? It's yeah. kind of hard to want to talk. But anyway, up next, <laughs> Narrowly Duffy answers our questions on the subject of dealing with death, and I'm just dying to hear what she has to say. Oh, thanks, Tom. <laughs> don't go away. <laughs> The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. At the Summit Lighthouse, our goal is to help you awaken to the light within and discover your real self. Today, thousands of spiritual seekers all around the world are using the universal teachings of the Ascended Masters to make their higher selves a permanent part of their reality. And you can too. The Ascended Masters are the saints and sages of East and West from all major religions and spiritual paths. They have walked where you walk and understand the challenges you face. And their teachings are always practical. By applying the science of the spoken word through verbal prayers called decrees, the masters teach us how to harness the healing power of the violet flame and other spiritual energies to transform our lives and our world. On The Open Door, it is our goal and great joy to bring you Ascended Master teachings that you can apply in your life right now. 
To learn more about the Summit Lighthouse and the teachings of the Ascended Masters, visit us today at tsl.org and discover how you can awaken to the light within. It's what you're here to do. Remember, tsl.org. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. You are listening to The Open Door, hosted by Tom Schumacher and Terry Kennedy. If you have a question or comment about our series, please send your emails to webradio at tsl.org. That's webradio at tsl.org. Now, back to The Open Door. And we are back once again, and happy to welcome Nearly Duffy to answer our typically tough, although not always <laughs> tough, questions. Well, let's begin by talking about something we've heard now through the lecture excerpts and we said ourselves in the opening segment, about the acceptability from the Ascended Master's point of view of grief and mourning. Now, feeling these emotions doesn't mean we've missed some important spiritual lesson, does it? Not at all, and... I like to remember that there are stages of grieving and loss, and you have to allow yourself to have to go through those stages. Grief is universal. You know, a nation can grieve the loss of a statesman or an important love figure. Anyone, even the saints and great avatars, have felt grief. Yogananda wept over the loss of his mother, whom he loved. And in fact, the one point of disagreement Yogananda had with God was, why did this loss have to be so painful? <laughs> and Elizabeth Clare Prophet told us that the loss of her beloved twin flame was profound, and, and she didn't think she ever really got over it in one sense. In another sense, she just simply had to internalize him so that he was always with her. And Jesus, of course. Yes, wow. Yes, yes. <laughs> I, I'm just meditating on that. Jesus wept. And uh, like she said, it was a short verse, just two words, uh, with a very long meaning. <laughs> mm. Is this another important lesson, narrowly, from Jesus uh, that true believers may have missed? I think so. I think I think Jesus was um, a man, a human being like us. He wore a physical body. Mm-hmm. Um, he was a manifestation of the Christ, but he wasn't the only one. And he said we could follow in his footsteps. And I think the fact that he wept is profound for us. It, it makes it allowable for us to mm-hmm. grieve. You know, um, and and I, I agree. I, th- I think that that's something that we can all just take to heart. That it is part of the process that we're all involved in. We've done it, as we said earlier. Countless times. Mm. Who knows how many times we've been mm. down the same path by the time we got it right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, for many of us, this is going to be the final time, right? Well, We're going to graduate yes. by the grace of God. By, gra- by God's yes. grace, indeed. Anyway. Well, uh, something else that we've talked about, and that is that no matter how sorely tempted we may be to relieve our loved ones of pain and suffering, we really must be careful not to take another's journey for them, you know, for mm. fear that we, we could deprive them of an integral and very priceless step in their soul's unfolding. Yeah, everyone uh, has a timetable for their coming and their going, for their birth and their death, and we have to respect that. Also, everyone uh, grieves in a different way, and there's a timetable for grief, and it may be different for you and different for me. Mm-hmm. So we do need, need to allow people the time that they need to grieve. We can be there for them, we can support them, we can love them, but we need to give them that space, and they'll usually get through it in time. You know, time is the great healer. And I think, you know, if they need help, oftentimes they'll ask, or we can always ask them. But uh, not to improve, it, it, intrude. It's, it's a very delicate time. But their soul yeah. knows, and we can communicate at that level. Mm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm reminded of something else that we have talked about on occasion. And I know that from the standpoint of the compassionate heart, this whole idea of death with dignity, mm. you know, the Derek Humphreys of the world. And you can see in a way, perhaps where they're coming from, mm. 
because they they are mourning already the loss of someone and they mm. want to make sure that that passage can be done in a certain way that I, this dignity but that's such a tricky thing you and, know and I'll tell you where the trick comes the trick is that we won't allow God to outplay his timetable we have to step in yeah you know this is getting too tough got to step in and end it and yeah. that's the quote merciful thing to do but you've that that's fraught that's well, fraught with karma and, and problems. You have to allow God's timetable to flow. Yeah, and where is the dignity in losing mm. a, an important life lesson mm. and soul lesson? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so what are some of the steps that we can and should share with those who grieve to bring them comfort and support? I think it helps to ask them, what do you need? And their answers may surprise you. Um, maybe not anymore (laughs) well you know maybe maybe for a woman who's lost her husband it might be look could you change my light bulb or the smoke alarm's going off and I don't know how to stop it my husband used to do that or if it's a man who's lost his wife you know take him out to eat or cook something if if that's what they want Mm -hmm. perhaps they need someone to be there when they want them to be there and to be in the background when they don't and I think one of the greatest gifts we can give to someone in this situation is just to listen perhaps to reflect but mostly to listen. Very important to be normal, to be natural. Don't be too obsequious or, oh my goodness, you've lost your loved one. You well, know? you get yourself Just out of the way. Normal. Get yourself out of the way. It's yeah. a great way to say it, Tom. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the masters teach that the flip side of pain is bliss. And pain, it seems, is mm. the refiner's fire. Mm. Is this the case of to understand the heights, we must first experience the depths? Mm-hmm. I, I think that's one of the deep things of life, isn't it? You know, and, and we don't have to seek it. It's going to find us. <laughs> and, and if we can be grateful for the test, no matter what it is, yeah. we can survive it. If we can internalize the loved one, we can survive it. Yep. Yep. Okay, Tom, I remember a song from the <laughs> 60s, uh, being a musician. Yes. Uh, perhaps some of our listeners will, too. Been down so long, it looks like up to me. Yeah, Richard Farina. Is that who it was? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and so I use this example to illustrate one key ingredient in the positive mental health formula and the power of negative emotions. You get what you focus on. Yeah, key, key point. Yeah. So while the songwriter chose to wallow in being down <laughs> to the point of getting lost in it, the key takeaway is this. We control our experience by our free will choice. We choose to experience grief and mourning. We are not victims of it, but rather willing mm-hmm. participants mm-hmm. in the process. So uh, this doesn't make the depth and degree of our pain any less, but narrowly it reminds us clearly that we needn't become trapped in our sorrow, right? And again, mm-hmm. it's all about timing. Yeah. You know, the loss and the timing of the loss and the taking the time to go through the stages of grief. And there's a time, there is definitely a time to let go. And Archangel Chamuel told us, Blessed ones, let go of loved ones who've passed on. Let them go to the higher octaves. Don't hold them by <laughs> grieving and being burdened and sorrowing. There's a time to plant, a time to reap, a time to live, and a time to die. Yeah, yeah. And we forget that last four words. And that's yeah. one that we all get to go through. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, yeah. You know, sometimes people experience sudden gut-wrenching losses, like a, a baby dies without warning, uh, a child is taken through accident or injury, a loved one. Perhaps a completely innocent bystander is the victim of a crime or a random act of violence. How do we handle these situations spiritually? Well, sometimes, you know, we take comfort in knowing it was actually part of the timetable of the soul. It's not always the case, but God often finds a way of letting us know if it is in his timetable. But it's harder when it isn't, and perhaps if something we know shouldn't have happened that way. Mm -hmm. But that's when we need the spiritual perspective, which is although we mourn the loss and the separation, there is no separation in God. So nothing in the universe goes backward, no matter what the temporary experience. 
or appearance. It's all moving forward to greater and greater joy and perfection. And actually, the God in us never does grieve because the God in us knows we were never separated. There's no time all this, space. All this down here is just just an illusion. And the human part knows that, you know, the other person's gone to a better place, which is which is how we comfort one another. Oh, well. Yeah. And rightfully so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, this may be a reshaping of our earlier discussion on the two-sided coin of pain and bliss. But in the end, self-mastery is the goal, isn't it? And pain and suffering are steps on the path of achieving this goal. Well, that's true. It's a necessary part of life. You know, we love our loved ones. Sometimes we lose our loved ones. There's always a higher purpose and lessons to be learned. If we can be asked to be shown what it is for you to learn in this situation. And I think don't focus too much on the pain. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not as real as the loss. Experience it. Move on. Observe yourself. And know when it's time to change. And one morning you'll wake up and go, okay. It's time to cast off the shroud, right. and I'm moving forward. And I've internalized my loved one. Yeah, I hear that. Well, you know, before we close the show today, I mm. uh, can be quite certain that many of our listening audience um, mm. have loved ones who are perhaps in this mm-hmm. position. They may be in it themselves. Is there a call or some other kind of yeah. comfort you can bring to these people who may be experiencing loss in this well, could moment? I, could I just make a call? Certainly. Yeah. Let's do that. Um, beloved presence of God. In the names of all souls of humanity, especially those who have passed on recently and those loved ones who are staying with them and mourning them, we ask the angels of peace to stand by them and hold them at perfect peace and let all fear, doubt, and sorrow and separation and grief in the parting of loved ones be consumed by the violet flames so that there's no distress. And let each one be assigned to a schoolroom of life and given the opportunity to study the great law as it pertains to his own evolution. I accept it done this hour in full power in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Thank, thank you, Nearly. Thank you, Nearly. On that note, we have just magically made another hour vanish, Terry. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's oh. amazing how fast it goes. I want to well, thank you, Nearly, for joining us today, for taking time to be part of our conversation well, on this very important topic. I really enjoyed it. It's very important. Yes, it's and thank important. you out there for joining us as well. And if you have any questions or concerns, like we always say, send them to us at webradio at tsl.org. Webradio at tsl.org. And we'll do our best to answer you promptly. Yes, we will. (laughs) And in the meantime, remember, though the upward path may be difficult, the rewards are out of this world. God bless you, everyone. Thank you for listening. Thank you again for joining us this week for The Open Door. This program is broadcast live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. For more information about The Open Door and the Summit Lighthouse, please visit our website at www.tsl.org. We'll see you again next week.